Welcome to the Inspire Educators Podcast, a space where you can let go, learn, laugh, and be inspired. Let's first begin with introductions of our inspiring educators. Inspiring educators, introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. This is Lila coming to you from Los Angeles. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Lila Nur and actually every other social media platform that's at M-S-L-A-I-L-A-N-U-R. I'm currently a mathematics instructional coach at Manual Arts Senior High School, um, a CPM teacher leader, and a motivational speaker. So if you're looking for somebody to inspire you one-on-one, that's me. Every week when we start, we like to begin with what we are grateful for, to give you the inspiration, to give you the motivation that you came here for. In this episode, I am grateful for setting boundaries, Um, being very clear about where my boundaries lie and not apologizing for it and being okay with whatever the response is from whomever I'm discussing my boundaries with because they're mine. I own them. It is perfectly fine for me to have them and I deserve them. So this episode is, is definitely about setting boundaries for me and I'm grateful for it. Good stuff, good stuff. It's your boy, Dr. Christopher J. Childs, the academic rock star, your favorite teacher, favorite teacher, your grandma, favorite teacher, your great, 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 great grandparents, favorite teacher, favorite teacher. You can find me on all social media platforms and the username is at drkchilds. If there is a social media platform out there, I guarantee you can find me on it. This week, I am grateful for, this episode, I am grateful for pushing the envelope. And I mean both ways. People have been pushing me to go even harder in what I discuss. They're saying what I discuss while it's uncomfortable is needed, but to go even harder in what I do. And then in turn, I've been pushing myself to go even harder. So I have been excited and grateful that I am able to push the envelope and others have pushed me in regards to pushing the envelope. This week, we got another hot topic, off, hot off the press as we're going. It's so hot. It's hot even. The microphone is hot for this episode. Schools are not <laughs> prepared for crisis. The spread of the coronavirus has compelled thousands of K-12 schools in the U.S. to close, and those numbers are certain to increase in the coming days as concerned parents call for more school closures. The growing health crisis present, presents schools' leaders with a painful choice. Closing schools is a proven measure that has been shown to slow the spread of the virus, but it also causes huge economic and social disruption, especially for children. Let's discuss the impacts of the virus and schools. Right now, this is literally some of the topics we do are isolated to regions in the country. We finally have a topic that every single school district is facing right now. So this is going to be a hot episode as we discuss what are the impacts. Lila, what are some of your thoughts regards the impacts from the economic disruption, social disruption, to just schools being it? Everything is on the table at this moment. And it really shows just not how far advanced this country is. I mean, you you pretty much, you said it, the the biggest point is that schools aren't prepared. We don't we don't have the capacity. There was no plan while we're over here planning for shooter drills and earthquakes. You know, there was no plan for having to shut down schools and attempt to continue education. 
you know, um, schools are trying to last minute because, you know, one of the issues is, okay, let's go to online learning. Let's go to um, being able to do some remote learning. But then you have to really and truly consider, do all students have access to the internet? Do all students have access to be able to partake in this online or remote learning? And the reality is that the answer is no. And so schools are scrambling, trying to get laptops rolled out to kids or sent home, oh, you know, the old school packets full of work. It, it, we're, we're just in a space where we want to continue this learning. But the reality is that it, it, it happens so quickly and nobody's prepared. And that's the thing. No one is prepared from every possible scenario has been 10 roadblocks as far as, hey, let's do A. Then you have to think about B, C, and D. Right now, and we're saying right now because things are literally changing by the moment. I remember a couple of days ago, within the same day, the first message, schools are not closing. A couple moments later, we're going to possibly close schools. A couple moments later, disregard the false alarm that schools are closing. A couple moments later, hey, we are closing schools. Mm -hmm. A couple moments later, hey, we're actually closing schools for longer than we anticipated. A couple moments later, we don't know when school is going to be real. Yeah. <laughs> it's, right now, this is one of the most chaotic situations. And this is where it shows where effective leadership is key and quality information is key. And what do I mean by effective leadership? At all levels, you're really seeing, and some people are going to get offended, how inept a lot of leaders are. Because to me, when things are going great, everybody's high flying, it's easy to be a leader because you're literally sitting back and just go, guys, let's go, girls. We're doing it. When stuff hits the fan, it shows you who are the true, real leaders and how do you handle things in times of adversity. So that's the first thing. You're seeing who the real leaders are. And you're also saying, what, what do plans look like? Do we even have plans of contingency for anything within schools? which we have shown, and it's not knocking schools, but there really are no solid plans in place. Very much so. And, and it, 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 I, I think it's one of those things where we're trying to figure out what to focus on. You know, what, where do we put our energies right now? Because part of the energy is on being safe, right? And, and that's the whole point of even closing the schools in the first place to keep everybody you know, at home, isolated, but then, okay, if we do that and we have to think about, okay, we also at the same time have to focus on still providing students education. And then there's also the biggest factor, I think right now, even outside, like, of course, education is important right now. The continuing learning is important, but the reality is that a good portion of students come to school for the food. Right. So now we have kids who don't have access to that breakfast and that lunch and those after school meals. There's um, I know in, within LAUSD, I seen something about opening up additional um, centers for students, for um, uh, parents to still be able to send their children if they need people, um, or if you know, they don't have any other plans for someone to watch their kids. But then it's kind of like, well, we're back at square one, you still sending your kids somewhere <laughs> and dropping them off every day. I don't know. It's, it's just so much going on at this point. And, and 
I, I don't know where to focus the, the, the energy, the time, the thoughts. Anything. Let's focus on this. Let's focus on, you made two good points that we're going to focus on. The first point being students come to school for food. That has been a huge point of contention. If we close schools, students won't have access to meals. I get it. And I, I was one of the proponents of at first, like, hey, if we close these schools, a lot of kids won't eat. So I get it, but how are kids going to eat? But then as I thought about it more, something else gave me a pause before I go into it as I thought about it more. Someone said, this is the perfect time to donate to your local food bank, which I thought, oh, that's a great thing. It's going to make you feel good. But the bigger issue no one wants to talk about in the dress, why in the heck in 2020 are students dependent upon schools to eat? And why in the heck is a solution donate to a food bank? We refuse in this country to address systematic issues plaguing our most vulnerable population. That mm. crap about students have to get food, come to school to eat. Why in the heck has no one thought about why, why, how are we going to eradicate that problem? Students should not depend upon a freaking school to eat. That means there's an economic anxiety within the homes and within the communities that our society has failed to address. So all that like I really I really got pissed off just because a lot of people still still like I get in the talking work that I do I talk about inequalities within education people don't get it they don't get it and the one of the worst times to showcase how how inequity this system is in education people still are like I don't get it they're not going to eat what is that at what point do we re-educate our society or better yet better educate our society to see this crap is, I don't curse, I use swear words. This crap is messed up in regards to students being dependent upon a school to get a basic, these are basic meals. I'm not saying get computers. I'm not saying get clothes. I'm not saying get free uh, technology. I'm saying basics, lunch and breakfast. That's a systematic failure of society. Absolutely. And the reality is saying take it to your local food bank is kind of like, well, if that was the option in the first place, then that would have been something that they could have already done. Like where we're, like you said, we're missing the point. Like if we're, we're putting things in place to have students continue learning. So you're sending home Chromebooks. Are we sending home food packages with kids? Like we're really and truly worried about trying to, this, this is really hard attempt to continue the learning when the reality is that, you know, at, at 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 a fundamental level, like like Chris is saying, we're there's so many bigger things now that this is brought to light, and really it should help us realize that there are other things that we need to focus our energy on. You know, in more affluent areas, that's not an issue, right? But we're, we're talking about our our population of kids that aren't getting the same thing or the same resources. Because remember, what was that that gap um, number between districts, Chris? Wasn't it a million? Or something like that between um, uh, the school districts that were of uh, affluent populations and those that you know. The oh, the amount of funding, that, yeah, it was significant. Yeah, the it funding, was yeah, it was it was something super large. So if we're talking about you know the resources. <laughs> Our kids, we already knew they didn't have them back when you know we, we the article was put out back when we recorded that uh, we that episode like. We, we've seen these things. We've been been talking about it. So the reality is that at this point, we should have known it was coming. 
should have known it was coming. And we, uh, the learning is, is, is important, but let's just be clear. We got bigger issues now. And you now let's, let's shift to learning. We talked about the food. Let's shift to the learning. What does it mean to provide a high quality education? A lot of my colleagues in the world, and I've been laughing. I just sat back because it was just too much to even try to respond to. Everybody's saying, I got to create homework packets for students to work on. I got to get some worksheets for students to work on over the break. Like, that's education. We're literally focused on how are we going to send home some worksheets, or we got some places we got computers, we got to give them some assignment. You're essentially taking some boring, I, I'm going to put it out there, a boring activity and sending that boring activity home. And most parents can't even help. And I'm not saying can't because they don't have time. I'm literally, it's some stuff that we teach that most teachers struggle with. So you think parents are going to help. So when we think about all of this, what the heck does it mean to provide a quality education? I prom- I'm, I'm glad she did not. My daughter's school, thankfully, they were going into spring break at the time. So they were thinking it was a spring break. And then after the, they were released for spring break, then they realized it was another week. They didn't send home a homework packet. I was throwing that crap in the trash. Like, we, we have to rethink. <laughs> home, like, education is not a worksheet. Like, who think, like, people really are, I'm on all these different forums and Facebook places. Everybody's like, what's some homework pra- practice problems? Are you serious? Like, like for real. Like, for, like, like in the one, one time at another piece, Everybody's like, we're going to go digital. We're going to go digital. Everybody's, these big publishers are giving free subscriptions. I don't think people realize a significant population. I would probably say half the population doesn't even have access to digital. So our solution is go digital, which is an inequity. Or our solution is give some worksheets, which are antiquated. Like I'm telling teachers, this is the time. All of, you know, everybody have all these ideas. No one lets me do it because of the standards, et cetera. Look at this is the time you can be innovative with what you want to have students doing. Like this is that moment. Cause let's be real, there's really no accountability for the next two weeks in any school. We're gonna say, oh, you gotta do it. At the end of the day, there's no accountability for the next two weeks, at least. Yeah. Be innovative. Like this is the time to try all those activities and things you want to do. This is the time to try some crap out. Cause I'm gonna be honest, I don't care what nobody say. The next two weeks are washed. So if it's going to be a wash, kids, this is not like a, a storm is hit, thankfully. It's sunny where I'm at. Kids are outside playing. It's, a, it's like a play week. Why not give them something innovative to engage in and, and show me and show yourself that education can be beyond a worksheet or beyond make sure you take out your technology devices. So what does it mean to give a high-quality education? Uh, Chris, Chris is feeling some type of way about this. He went in and then just left me stumped because I'm over here thinking too. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lot to think about. And all, in all honesty, the trouble was that nobody had an opportunity to think about it because, like you said, you know, moment after moment, everything changed. And at some point, you just got the email or you got the phone call that schools were closed. But considering that most um, districts, most schools, communities have some sort of online platform at which, you know, students are expected to uh, check in on at some point in time. You know, hopefully we can think about how we can be innovative, how we can uh, 
create some sort of learning experience that's outside the box for our students in these spaces. Because, you know, we're talking about sending home, like you said, these big work packets or whatever else we're sending home, something that's online that's going to be a struggle for parents to help with. And the reality is that it might be a struggle for the kids, you know, depending on whatever we're sending. So, you know, we're sending them home with all this stuff that they can't get any assistance with. And for some kids, it's going to be a waste of time because it's not even challenging. <laughs> you know, I, we're, I don't know. I, I don't know. I got an idea. Send home the recipe to make hand sanitizer. If these kids at elementary know how to make, <laughs> think about this. I'm, I'm dead serious. If elementary kids can make slime and they made a lot of money making slime, they can figure out how to make hand sanitizer. So from what I was told, it's like two ingredients and one scent to make it smell good if you want. If you imagine letting the kids make hand sanitizer instead of slime, that's a game changer for a community. We got fresh hand sanitizer. Like, I'm going to get to, in my opinion, there are three things that possibly can come of this situation. One, education is going to start innovating. We're realizing even at the national level of conferences getting canceled, like it's disrupted everything. We're realizing this is the most antiquated, stupid model of education. Hope, my hope is, one, we're going to innovate. Number two, people are going to collaborate more. Whether Right now, if you're a public school, private school, charter school, home school, at this point, we need to show we can collaborate more in what we're doing. Every, I know somebody reached out to me, where, where can we house all these resources? We should be developing better, rep- high-quality repositories and collaborating. Hey, or combining, like, you're at a private school, I'm at a public school. What if we video Skype in for a lesson or something? We, we need to think outside the box. Third, I think this is going to be unfortunate, but some would think it's going to minimize the digital divide. I think it's going to make it worse because the affluent parents right now and the affluent communities are like, hey, we need to ramp up our efforts. If this happens again, we have what we need. and Areas that are not so affluent can't do that. So it's going to possibly widen that digital divide. It's going to be a lot of purchases in the next six months. So, you know, publishing companies and tech companies are like so excited calling their salespeople, let's get it. But unfortunately, it's just going to widen divide. And that's a bad thing. Also, it's a bad thing that a lot of companies are going to prey on the school system with that technology. A lot of the technology is not even that great. So we need to probably develop some resources, how to even vet quality material. So those are my three things as we look at schools and in crises mode. Any final thoughts for this episode, Ms. Lila Noor? I mean, I just looked up this recipe for hand sanitizer. <laughs> and I, I honestly, like, as the best idea I've heard um, all week with everything that's going on. If, uh, honestly, it's, it looks like, what, two, two ingredients? Uh, one of them being rubbing alcohol or actual high-proof alcohol. So we definitely would need some uh, parents' assistance with making this if this is actual assignment for kids. But that and aloe vera gel, we on. Put a little a couple of drops of essential oils in there, some vitamin E oil in there. And, and I mean, honestly, most people have those ingredients already at home. So while we're out at the store buying up all these products, um, we could be making them ourselves. And I, that's lit. Check it out. My kids, instead of doing a lemonade stand this week, if you drive by my house, I'm going to have a hands, the child's hand sanitizer stand. 
we selling we selling natural hands. I don't know if I can say natural homemade <laughs> sanitizer. Uh-huh. Kyle's family recipe. We finna make a killing. Like y'all keep buying up all the toilet paper and the sanitizer. We're gonna create a hand sanitizing business. I'm going to the store now to get my. And alcohol. I don't even understand why they buy all the toilet paper, but I digress. No, it's it's a reason. So before we go into insp- inspirational moment, the reason people are buying all the toilet paper, as a professor researcher stated the following: What people are doing is mentally, when you go into survival mode, you want to have at least one thing you may need to survive. Mm. So everybody initially jumped to, if I'm stuck in my house. You naturally you're gonna to go to the restroom. I need toilet paper. So for them, mentally, they may not have food, they might even have fresh water. They know they have at least one thing they need to survive. Cause technically with water, you still got faucet mm-hmm. water. So if you have faucet water and you go to the bathroom, you got some some tissue, you created I, I, I literally looked this up. I thought it was the craziest thing ever. People buy up all the toilet paper. Yes. But it was it was a survival mode. And I my thing is. Been in Florida with a hurricane. If everybody around me, I know, bought all this toilet paper. If I need two rolls, I'm going to somebody's house. I know somebody got some two rolls if it comes to that point. But yeah, that's why it's a law of survival. It's not the law of survival. Some survival mechanism, but you want to have at least one thing when you're trying to survive. Oh wow! Learn something new. Now to my favorite part of the episode. This is the inspirational moment. This episode's inspirational moment is being brought to you by your boy, Dr. Christopher J. Childs. This episode's inspirational moment is going to be really short. This coronavirus crisis is making you all think and everybody think what is really important. I think during this time period of chaos, a lot of people have a lot of downtime. I think we really need to reflect on what is important and most importantly, what is life all about? As we think about what is important, what is life is all about, we're going to begin to focus on family first and then your friendships. Because at the end of the day, when you're 90 years old, sitting on that rocking chair, on that porch, or at that nursing home, that's all that's going to matter. It's not going to matter how much money you made. It's going to not going to matter what kind of cars you drove, what kind of house you had. What's going to matter are those relationships that you've cultivated over the years. And at that point, you're really going to sit back on life and say, gosh, this is what life is all about. Take this time period, whether it's two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and really just sit back. I think this is going to let a lot of people really consider. I know everybody's jumping to religion, but people are going to turn to my opinion, spirituality, and really just sit here on this earth and start to realize we are more connected than we are different. Like when it comes to racism, when it comes to uh, different economic status, we're realizing like this virus literally does not care who you are what you drive, how much money you make, what color you are, nothing, what gender. And that's making us realize, finally, some people, crap, we kind of all in this thing together. So my hope from all of this is you all, our listeners, and everyone starts to reflect on what is really important. I think, and a lot of people are going to chime in and say, Chris, you crazy. But I think this virus is one of the best things that can happen to the world. The reason being, it's going to make us change fundamentally what we do. If we really think about the earth as a living world or the solar system as a living, breathing object, with that, things, you have good times, you have bad times. 
throughout, look at the statistics on what I'm talking about. So things like this have always happened. It's kind of like a purge in a sense. I'm not saying a purge of people, just a purge of the system and what's happening. So we have to start really valuing what is life because contrary to popular belief, one day we're going to expire. So before you expire, what are you going to do to leave a life of legacy? Start to think outside the box of really what it's all about. And most importantly, when we get back to our new norm, what are you going to do to make a difference in this world in which we live? This has been the Inspiring Educators Podcast with your boy, Dr. Christopher J. Childs, and your girl, Miss Lila Nair. And in his absence, my boy and her, her boy, Jadrian Grimes, we out. Oh, fire on that.